This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. Welcome to the show, Paula. It's so great to have you here. Thank you, Mona. It's really nice to meet you. Uh, We've been planning for this for a while, so I'm glad the moment is here. Yes, exactly. So let's just dive right into one of my favorite math teacher topics, and I know it's a passion of yours as well, math discussions. Let's start with why do students need to discuss in math? Yeah, so we we know a big part of understanding and being able to apply mathematics is connected to argumentation, you know, making your point, clarifying your ideas, questioning the ideas of others. And so that's exactly what uh, math discussion is, is this opportunity for students to express their understanding, uh, have others check and question their understanding, and then have opportunities to question someone else's understanding as well. And all in that process, you come to uh, enhance the ways in which you learn mathematics. So discussions are part of these opportunities to learn and strengthen your mathematical knowledge. Yes, I totally am a learn by talking kind of person. So it always fits with me. Some people could have some of these discussions in writing, for example, and have the opportunity, like I like to write for me, it helps me clarify my thinking. But when I'm writing, there are other pieces I'm not necessarily engaging with, which is asking questions, having questions asked. And yes, you could do that in all of that in writing, but it wouldn't happen at the moment in the classroom with the group, right? There is also this component of having the kids collectively engage and held each other accountable. That's also important. Yes, yes. Because when you're putting your ideas out there, everybody is then saying, I agree, I disagree, or let me help you make that clearer, or all those great kind of things. So Math discussions, when I kind of discovered, because I've always taught reading and science and social studies through discussions, but never math. So when I discovered math discussions and started implementing them in my classroom, I saw a huge transformation in my students and in myself, but I talk about that a lot. So what kinds of transformations, though, have you seen in teachers' instruction and students' understanding? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think there is an excitement that comes with it when teachers start implementing some of these ideas and kids actually engage and talk. And I think a big piece of that excitement is when you realize 
that your students are thinking, you, you get access to that thinking and, and, you know, they're sharing that with you and you can see learning in a way that I don't think you see when you're just engaged on a worksheet, you know, yes. when students are engaged on a worksheet, you see one piece of what they're doing, but when you open for math discussion is very different. And then who participates is very different as well. And so some students that perhaps are building their mathematical understanding, let's say in a way that wouldn't show in a worksheet, you have access to that process and you can help them. You can move them along through these math discussions. So I think we see a lot of excitement when teachers try some of our strategies to enhance discussion in the classroom. Yes. And students, like you said, like students who normally don't participate or might not put much on their paper. I love how you say it gives you access to like their thinking because it's so much easier to go brain to mouth for a third grader than it is to go brain to hand to paper and get all of that out on the paper. But if we just say, hey, turn and talk to your partner or you ask an engaging question, it seems like that's much easier for kids to jump in. Yeah, I think when you offer them the opportunity to do both, you would just have more kids Yes, who, you know, who will engage uh, and some will do well in both, some will do well in one or the other. But overall, I think as a teacher, what we are mostly trying to do is understand where our students are mm-hmm. so that we can help each and every one of them move, you know, progress in their learning. And so the more opportunities you have as a teacher to develop that understanding, it's kind of exciting. It is exciting. And I became nationally board certified. And the first yeah. standard is knowing your students and knowing your students yeah. well. You know, you really have to dive into all the ways you can know your students when you're writing for national boards. But one of the things that I think we miss is we jump straight to differentiation strategies. But we miss that piece first of like, you have to know your students well before any strategy is going to help them catch up or fill their holes or whatever, but knowing your students well. And I love that you talk about discussion is part of that. Sometimes the best way to meet all the students' needs is to point them into thinking about that kid's thinking and then point them to thinking about that kid's thinking. There's so much more we can do when we have 25 kids together to share thinking versus when we're in a small group of just four or five all thinking similarly. Yeah. So it always depends on what what are your goals, right? Mm-hmm. So the good thing about small groups is you really get everybody talking, right? When you have 25 kids and sometimes you don't have a lot of time, you may get five, six. And of course, over time, uh, you can get everybody to talk. But if you want to make sure that in the lesson, everybody has said something engaged with someone then small group is is the space for that discussion. I think a lot of times when we think about discussions, we think whole group, but a lot of discussion with strong participation also happens in small groups. Yes. I think that almost kind of turns small group instruction on its head from what we traditionally think. Small group instruction is to be sit down. Let me show you the strategy here. You practice it because you're here because you don't understand. Right. So now I have to tell you. But what we know about how kids learn math is that we have to have that exploration piece and that making sense piece. And that should be happening in small group, too. So 
using discussions in small group to still allow students to describe their thinking and get a better picture of who they are as learners is all part of it. I I really appreciate you saying that, not thinking about math discussion in just one way. I want to just say like, you have this really fabulous book called Activating Math Talk. (laughs) And there's 11 techniques and they range, right? In all different kinds of contexts. So we were talking, I think you said like, you know, our strategies, it's like, go get this book because there's 11 good ones in there. (laughs) Yeah, our techniques. Yeah. So what happens is these ways in which uh, we want kids to talk, and we call it productive discussions, right? For a discussion to be mathematically productive, it is not the usual way third graders talk to each other. That's not how they talk, you know, during recess or at home or in the car. And so where we started was from this idea that teachers needed techniques to teach kids how to talk in ways that are mathematically productive. And that requires, you know, listening to each other. That's really hard. You know, even for us adults, sometimes even my colleagues would say, I'm going to do some of the techniques I use with the kids. So we would start (laughs) listening to each other here. But learning to listen, learning how to ask a question, you know, and all of those things. And so we were working with colleagues in literacy As you said, right, literacy, many colleagues have used discussion as part of literacy instruction. And so we started seeing, okay, tell me some of your techniques. And we started adapting them and say, what would that look like in math? And so that's how we we ended up with these 11 techniques uh, in the book, that they're meant to help teachers get started, teach kids how to to talk to each other, you know, and teachers try them out and they love them, you know, because they work. The kids start talking and they start learning about what kids are thinking. And what we always tell teachers is it's not about getting better and better and better at these techniques. Eventually, you should be able to let them go because at that point, kids know how to ask questions, know how to express themselves, know how to listen to each other. But it it really provides a a way for students to start learning, for teachers to help students to learn how to participate in productive conversations. I love it. I think it's so great that it's like teacher tested techniques too. And do you want to talk a little bit more about kind of like why that's so important to you and your work? Yeah. So let me talk about two parts of it. One is why provide techniques to teachers? What? For us, from the very beginning, it was really important to give teachers something they could try out. Sometimes in professional development, we say, right, teachers want the Monday morning. And we (laughs) wanted to give them that, right? That's what you want. That's what you need. And here it is. But we we saw that as an opportunity for them to have this conversation with the teachers about what happened and use that to engage in conversations about how do kids learn math and start that conversation. So these techniques, it was important for us that teachers had the techniques so they could see a different classroom once the kids start talking and use that as the context to discuss math learning. Now, you said teacher-tested techniques. So I will say in the development of all this, we started this project over 10 years ago. And uh, at the very beginning, we really had some amazing teachers who were willing to go out there and try these out 
report back to us, say how it worked, or because we were adapting them, some of them from from literacy, and and they were really instrumental in helping us come up with our professional development program. So the book is the basis for it. We also have a professional development that goes over the book. And in the professional development, we have videos, we have a lot more, but the book is kind of like the heart of that professional development. But yeah, we, we had a lot of teachers try these things out for us at the very beginning. Yeah. Do you have one technique that you think is like the one everybody should start with or like that every classroom should use or a favorite? Do you have a favorite one? I do have a favorite. I don't know that I would start there. I <laughs> okay. love the talk chain. Okay. Uh, so a talk chain is when you start a conversation and before you can join the conversation, you have to acknowledge what's the person before you just said, right? And again, because I care so much about this issue of listening, the talk chain is, I love it because you have to listen. Yeah. You know, you just have to listen before you can join. And I have this image of kids when we are doing work, right? We have the quiet kids who are perhaps paying attention or whatever. And then we have the kids, me, me, me. And they're so focused on what I'm going to tell the teacher. They're not listening to anyone else. Mm -hmm. We all know that's true. Pick me, pick (laughs) me here, here. And so for both of the kids, these kids, right? Knowing that you actually have to be doing something when someone else is talking, you actually have to be paying attention. It is I think it's really powerful. Can I say one more? Of course, of course. I also love the the simplest of the techniques, which is an all talk, which means that everybody's got to say something, and everybody it can repeat. You can set it up however you want it, but everybody has to say something. And even in my, when I'm working with teachers on professional development, I try to do all talk on the very first day, because I think it's, if somebody's not participating, it gets harder and harder to join the conversation. So I didn't speak this class, the next class I'm quiet again. Now I'm like, how is my voice going to sound out when I speak out loud? You know, it gets harder. Yeah. So to say, everybody, here we are, you've got to say something and you can repeat, you can agree, but everybody gets to hear their voices out loud right there at very early in whatever classroom that is. I think it's very powerful. Yes. I love when techniques uphold our expectations. And so what I mean by that is you saying all talk means every person is going to participate today. Well, if that's the expectation we have for our students to participate by talking, then your technique that you're using is saying, I'm going to uphold my expectation. I think the same is true about the math talk chain. Like if the expectation is listen to what other kids are saying, you're saying, well, what we're going to do is going to reinforce that expectation. I also love talk chain because it's like what good discussions in real life should be, right? We should acknowledge each other. I'm thinking about how I should do this with my husband. <laughs> okay, I haven't said that, but there are days where I was going to say that. Some days I tell my husband, I think we are going to practice talk chain today. Let me tell you what that is. <laughs> yes. And it's true. I have done, I have actually done that. I don't think we're listening. (laughs) (laughs) If I just slow down and I listen to what you're saying and I repeat it back to you before I say the thing I need to say, what'll probably 
make the whole conversation a little bit better, right? Whether that's about the area of a rectangle or if it's about the problem I have with my partner. (laughs) Yes, yes. And sometimes it's not a problem. It's just like, that's good conversation, right? That's that's back to the idea of having productive conversations. We all have conversations, which ones are productive and which ones support learning. Because I think a lot of times when people were saying, oh, I'm going to have these math discussions or conversations, we are not fully thinking about what will support learning. Just chit-chatting in the math class may not really lead to the results you would like to see happen. I completely agree because I think that's actually why teachers a lot of times abandon math talk or discussions because it hasn't been productive and then it feels like a waste of time. And I think part of that that goes into that is the community that you have to create within your classroom because Mm -hmm. students are not going to listen or talk or see the value in what their friends have to say unless you've created that community. So how do you think community plays a role in kind of getting these math discussions to be purposeful and meaningful? Oh, community play, it plays a huge role in having, making sure, you know, the The teacher has to be paying attention to that, in part because part of these conversations are about mistakes, right? We Mm -hmm. have to be able to talk about mistakes, too, and be able to say, no, this is actually not correct. Or we have two answers. Only one is correct. The other is going to be incorrect. And if you don't have students who feel okay with that vulnerability, and being able to say, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, or even saying, this is where I made a mistake. Now I see it. And so that is all about community and building a talk community where you feel like you can participate. And then you also want to have a community where all your students feel empowered to participate. Otherwise, you know, you are not really uh, helping everybody learn. So it, it's really important to work on that community, on that on that engagement. You know, in, um, in the book, we talk about four different types of discourse, you know, correcting, eliciting, probing, and responsive. And in the illicit type of discourse, is when we think the teacher is inviting people into the conversation. You know, it has to feel safe. It has to feel welcome, valued, look for, the, you know, students' assets. What are their strengths? And then you build on that to start probing and pushing them, right? But they, they have to be feeling comfortable and feeling like this is a community where I can take risk and I can participate and it's okay. Yes, And I think you're right that that starts when the teacher sees their strengths and like that's going back to like knowing your students. So if you're walking around while they're working and you're talking to them and you're hearing their strengths, then you now like the puppet master can pull that kid in when they're expressing their strength. And then that automatically gives them that confidence. So that now they're in. And, and I think that's why uh, I think some of the teachers we've worked with when they try the techniques, that's why they got so excited. Because all of a sudden they're like, I had no idea this particular student was thinking this way or or said something that was so unexpected but made so much sense to me and to the whole class. I like that idea that by engaging in these conversations, you have access to their strength, not just their math thinking. By their math strength. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Paula, for coming and sharing all of these like good ideas and techniques with our listeners. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for the invitation. And I, your excitement is really contagious. So <laughs> this was a really fun hour. Oh, good, good. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Well, that was your dose of Honest Math Chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. (laughs) If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com slash discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friend.